Soleana New City from Sonic 2006, the game that the fandom, the uh, community all agrees is a game that is called Sonic the Hedgehog. This show is called Sonic Weekly. It stars David the Lurker. Hi, David. Oh, hi. And me, a, a Grant. You, you talk first, usually, and then... I talk first. Yeah. And then I and talk then I... not last. You talk last. Right. Right. Unless we have a, a guest. Well, well, normally, I guess Bo might go last, but sometimes he's second, but he's not here. So and he's sometimes he's a... been first. Yeah. He, he's, he's broken in. He's like, I, I'm taking over. Yeah. I guess I'm not last. We're, we're gems that are a little chaotic, <laughs> you know? We're... Right. We're stones that have the time to chat with our friends and our dear listeners. And hey, speaking of friends, David, yes, you know today's guest, and perhaps you should introduce him. I do, I do. Uh, uh, listeners of the show might not know him, but but people who have heard me elsewhere probably definitely know him. You can call him by two names; they both start with S. It's Stephen, aka Smoothies. Oh, he's so smooth. Oh, hey guys. It's me, the smoothies. There is something to address immediately because we're getting it in from the wire. This came to us mere hours ago that the sentencing has arrived for Sonic co-creator Yuji Naka. And it's exciting when you first read it. It looks like it's a huge, what? This is crazy sentence. And then you look into it a bit more. It is a couple of months of probation and a fine. I think that is the (laughs) situation. Is that accurate? Right, a suspended sentence of four years he's got two fines of two million yen and 170 million yen apparently the deal is right he's just on probation it's a suspended sentence but if he does anything to to break that probation then he ends up in jail for it looks like two and a half years do you think that part of the agreement with the probation involves the ability to play or not play sonic superstars Right. I mean, if he can only get it by by selling or buying stock, then I guess yeah, he wouldn't be allowed. I is there a is there a uh, stock market mini game in the game? Oh, that would be amazing. I mean, it could be like there's a casino night zone esque stage where it involves trading stocks. But it, it could also just be that the game this Sonic Superstars might be the first game released with a restraining order against. One person, its original <laughs> creator of like, Yuji Naka, you're not allowed to play this mm-hmm. until you're legally in the clear. That is a sort of Kafka-esque, very strange rule that would be imposed. But Yuji Naka, to me, seems to be going through something like that because the man is innocent. The man should have statues. The man created Sonic the Hedgehog, and that should mean something in this broken, corrupt society, David! Well, it's also Japan. I mean, it's still pretty much a slap on the wrist. He, he just has to pay, uh, what is that converted to yen? One and a half million bucks. He probably made that much. Yeah, that's selling one of the cars. That's not even going to make a dent in the drone collection. <laughs> right, right. But but I, I think what we need to acknowledge is that uh, at, at around the time that, that Naka was being sentenced, uh, Oshima was hanging out with Hirokazu Yasuhara, who are the other two Sonic guys. So, why were they hanging out? Is that, wait, are you making that up? Are you pulling my leg? Or is this, uh, there was a celeb sighting of the two dining at uh, Sega World, or? Yeah, it was, uh, ho- hold on. Go ahead and pull it up real fast, because David, there's something I've been dying to tell you. And yeah. Smoothies, I'm curious to gently approach this topic with you, which is Sonic Frontiers, DLC update to 
We were talking about it last week. Last week, I had not yet unlocked the Spin Dash. David, dear listener, Smoothies, I have unlocked the Spin Dash. It rules. It's so good. It's so fun. Sonic spins as a ball, which is what Yuji Naka was all about. Get him into the ball. And like you said, David, too, you can you can just slowly <laughs> roll around, not in the full blue ball, but just Sonic curled up, maybe sucking his own dick. We don't know. Right. No, we don't know for a fact. But we do know it's so fun. You can get so much air. You can go so fast. Cyberspace is so much more fun when you can homing dash and spin dash and just you're like switching between the two triggers it feels really right it feels like it completes the move set and then makes me frustrated that chronos island becomes by far the worst island because of the arbitrary walls what are you doing just have it be the ocean just cut it off or let me just pull the curtain back and let me also access Rhea island is that the name of it island four that's connected to chronos island like let, let me just have the whole playground it seems very against the spirit of open zone to have you stray from the path you cannot Get out of here. I don't stray from the path. I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. Look at me spin at the speed of sound. It's so fun. And uh, it's just made me more enthusiastic about Sonic Frontiers again. Whereas before I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, I was like shaking off the cobwebs. And I was like, yeah, Sonic Frontiers is cool. But like, uh, it's kind of hard. And these stupid orbs. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it was annoying. I did just switch it to easy. I went back later and switched it. And then I was like, who gives a shit? I want to find the cocoa. I want to run around. I felt like I had to update you on that to bring that news of enthusiasm about the spin dash while you're searching for this thing. But also, Smoothies, curious how you're feeling about Frontiers and the spin dash in Frontiers. Oh, man, I love the Frontiers. I feel like Frontiers was a game that was made for me. Back in the GTA 5 days when that came out, you hop on a motorcycle, you're driving real fast around. You're like, man, I wish I was Sonic right now. (laughs) Then again, I just wish I was Sonic in every game I'm playing. And I feel like, hey, they finally made a game for me. Uh, and now that the spin dash is here, it's like, oh, it's even more for me than it was before. Wow. Ares Island, I felt like was the least navigationable island because like it puts you in that maze of canyons and like it's like, oh, but I want to go a couple layers up and it's not really easy to find out how to do that. Now I can just spin dash my way up and I don't have to think about it anymore. So I love it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I feel like it is not game breaking i've seen that term sort of it, it is appropriately overpowered because it makes the game more fun it makes it more accessible yeah. just like what you're talking about with aries island of like you can just not use it if you want a more slow and frustrating experience it feels like how it might have felt in sonic 2 compared to sonic 1 of like whoa this is crazy overpowered i shouldn't be able to like go up this slope like that but you can because you're sonic and sonic rules david okay so really yasuhara and oshima were together yeah it was uh it was 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I don't know what time that is, wherever they were. Yasuhara posted a picture of him and Oshima together. And 12 hours later, that's when we learned of Naka's sentencing. So maybe they got together. You know, we're having a day of it. Like, oh, they're having lunch. They're having dinner. They're swapping stories of the old days. Like, hey, remember, you know, Yasuhara's probably like, oh, man, I never told you about this thing that happened in America. And Oshima's like, oh, yeah, I was too busy making Sonic CD, which definitely takes place between two and three. And Yasuhara went, why are you saying that to me? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, they were hanging out. That is conspicuous. (laughs) It's not like they're posting selfies together every day, every week, every year. This has been this might be the first photo of them together. That's not at a panel of just the two of them. Right. Because they did do that panel uh, a few years back at uh, 
one of, I forget which GDC it was, 2016, 2017, they did a Sonic 1 postmortem. We've seen them together, Genesis Mini launch party in Japan, but since then we haven't really seen them. And Some people immediately went, oh, does this mean he's working on Superstars? Does that mean he's going to be on a sequel? Does that mean he's working on Superstars? Do you think that means he's working on a sequel? Oh, no, I think they're just going, ha, <laughs> Naka! Ah, wait, <laughs> you think they're... I don't know, I don't know. Or they could just be drinking. Yeah, it could, could just be a coincidence. Smoothies, what do you think? Oh, I think uh, Sonic Twitter has told us that everything is canon, so I think everything you said is true, right? That's how it, Is that how it works? Yeah. I think that's how it works. Right. If you say it, it's true, especially if you put it on the internet. Yeah, I mean, we're media professionals. You know, we're speculating that Yasuhara is going to be designing every <laughs> single level in Sonic Superstars. No, we're <laughs> not saying can't. that. We're not saying that. But we yeah. are wishing for it, and we're hoping for it, and we're just saying, what if... Anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, David. You alerted me that there was a big leak. Big leak! From Sega internal documents from the mid-90s with Tom Kalinske's signature all over them. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I, I clicked the link. I flipped through it. It looked Keep really it boring. It looks like, uh, <laughs> it looks like it didn't tell me. But you were like, no, this is very... And Smoothies, I think you were in the chat too. And you were like, this, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on. So just prepare yourself. But I, I looked through it and it's, it's uh, alien to me. I, it just looks like... It, it's actually... I mean, I'm kind of familiar with like... It's a lot of marketing nonsense um, and a lot of inaccurate predictions. That's what it looks like at a glance to me. But what, what did we learn from this or why was it so exciting? Well, I guess you need to read it again if you didn't figure it out. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So what it was presented to us as is the fiscal Sega fiscal year 1997 brand review, which I guess doesn't sound exciting. But I guess the reason it, it's exciting or it's interesting or important is because it is a snapshot in a very tumultuous point in, in the history of Sega. Because this is really about 1996. Fiscal year... 97 begins in april of 96 ends march of 97 it's a silly name but i guess it's just the way business works or the way sega works i don't pretend to understand that part right like right at the top it's, it says hey here's the e3 floor plan so they're thinking about what is what is what are our strategies supposed to be for the coming year also for the year after because there's some distant predictions or or penciling of 90 of 98 it's less, we're, what are we predicting, and more, this is what we need to do if we don't want to fall apart. And they definitely fall apart. I forget which page it is now, but I mean, there are a number of emails. There's some from Tom Kalinske. He lays out, uh, I guess in a very Kalinske way, a 10-point plan of this is what we need to do in order to stay competitive. And it is a lot of things that he wants to do, and most of it uh, doesn't happen uh for one reason or another they 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 want to push for the saturn being like oh yeah this is an online machine at a time when the internet is still not the infrastructure really isn't there to make that like the selling feature the dreamcast had it but even then it was like oh you know are, are we all there we're kind of there we're getting there we're not there yet the saturn like it's neat that that the netlink came out but that's not what it really push for there's a lot of talk about the sega sports line fumbling like every sports title they have they're like these are the issues that we need to solve like it's not ready to come out the engine is trash the only game that was okay 
was Worldwide Soccer 2. Like that one had zero issues. And there's also some <laughs> preliminary talk about the Sega Pluto, which until mm. a couple years ago, we weren't sure even existed, which is uh, a version of the Saturn with a modem built in. And like even here, they're talking about, oh, is this... Uh, it, it listed as like, if this comes out, it has to be $550, which is probably the reason it never came out. They couldn't push the, the Saturn for three ninety nine. dollars uh, They had to, you know, just keep on undercutting it and undercutting it. And so the idea of re-releasing the Saturn with a modem, and now it has to be almost $600, uh, that would have been such a hard sell. But it, yeah. it is like, there's some hope, but it, you can also see the writing on the wall. And there, there is some talk about Sonic. Yep. And and I, I think it's also fun that like, oh, hey, we need to make sure that, you know, uh, Sonic, the Sonic on the Saturn, which is extreme, but they don't call it extreme, needs to be out by November 8th. And it has to be good. If it's bad, people will notice. If it's bad, people will will not buy it. Like they really know this has to be a good thing. But then in like the preliminary uh, fiscal year 98. So so like the 97 schedule, they're already saying, oh, yeah, and then you'll make a sequel. To that like <laughs> sti will make another one in 97 and it's like wow they, they had a lot of hope there's there's also a couple mentions of games that were never released and i think hadn't re- really been properly confirmed i don't remember those offhand but but like it, it is it is an interesting look really and also just to see how many copies of sonic 2 on the game gear they still had in 1996 they had over <laughs> 200,000 copies just sitting in a warehouse Nobody wanted it. That's why you can buy it at a convention sealed for like 10 bucks still. That's the one game that's still cheap. (laughs) Don't you think that all of these things (laughs) kind of just serve the narrative that uh, Sega of America was bumbling, clueless, delusional, overplayed their hand, could like just were detached from reality? Not completely. It's just, you know, the management side of things. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> there was some bad management decisions. I'm sure there were a lot of people working there that were like, why are we doing this? So, yeah. you, know, you can't pin the whole company, but yeah, definitely. That's what I mean, the le- the leadership. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the owners of the thing. Not you, but just to specify for, like, people listening, because there are people who will, like, pin a whole company for something, and it's like, oh, come on, guys, dial it back. Right, yeah, not every single employee is like, yeah, I mean, you're all, it's, we're all swept up in the decisions of the the owners and the, but I mean, the whole entity, really, like, it's, like, it seems like their internal communication is a bit futzy as well like flipping through it and like just seeing these predictions and what they're saying is going to just the just the idea of the pluto at that price point maybe that is probably one of the the wildest things i I took away from it was we're uh, prototyping this thing this is how much it would have to sell for there's also a lot of talk of like where is the gaming the the industry going from a consumer side a, a, a retailer side Retailers are like only making like 15 bucks per Saturn that was sold at one point, right? Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And so they're like, oh, if we're not careful, like only specialty stores are going to want to sell video games. Uh, like we're going to lose it at places like Sears and Kohl's and, you know, like, yeah, places that aren't games, but the Stop or, or EB or whatever existed at the time. Funko Land, Funko Land existed. Yeah, um, no, it's true. That's like such a good insight into that specific time. The shelf space at those large malls or department stores like Sears, uh, that was huge in making the perception of gaming be more, you know, accessible mm-hmm. to a larger audience. That that was big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kalinsky's talked right a bunch of times in, in uh, interviews and maybe in that like 
that book or that documentary about like, you know, that was one of the major victories for him. I think in particular was getting, I forget which retailer it was, maybe Kmart or somebody like he had to like uh, Walmart, I think was it right. Okay. Yeah. He's got one anecdote where he's like, he's got to do some heroic feats to, and, but you know, he does it and then, uh, but okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, but there was uh what about like in terms of big bombshell, huge revelations, Pluto, and then I think it's sort of like the shambles, the sports uh, division was in. It's like, yeah, Sega was struggling, but I don't think we really knew how much and also how much they knew they were struggling. Like, I guess sometimes it's like, oh, if a company isn't doing well, it's because they think what they're doing is right, but it just falls apart. But, you know, to see like, hey, this this isn't working. We know it's not working. We might not even be able to sell this. Yeah, there there is mention of a specific a micro pros football game where they're just like, this isn't this isn't happening. No one's heard of it, and it's I think it's because Sega went sorry, and so they ended up buying the engine from somewhere else entirely, or or licensing it or whatever, and and making a completely different football game that also wasn't that great, but it, it seriously was like we cannot we cannot release the game that we thought we were going to release this will ruin our reputation even more uh here yes the micro pros nfl issues six months late and still not finished very low quality will damage sega and sega sports brand if released like straight up this will this is bad needed action kill title or sell it to third party i think that last part's funny like this will ruin our brand what if we (laughs) offload it to somebody else Ah, uh, it yeah, it, it's just it's also you know a, a look at things that we normally don't get. We always get it. We get something after the fact. Maybe a CEO was like, "Yeah, I knew this was a bad idea, and it failed." Then I got twenty million dollars when I left. You know, like that sort of story. <laughs> uh, but we don't really, we never get to see a lot of the internal documents, the communication, especially back then, because it's it's not like. Um, there was an easily accessible email server that somebody could just, you know, download everything. It's it's all scattered. I mean, yeah. there was a server. There are emails here. But, you know, it, it's people also weren't thinking about saving things like that back then. So so the fact that it, all of this does exist, it exists in a folder like this is definitely something important. And it's been preserved all this time. It's it is a it's a fascinating look at a sliver of time where they knew things were going bad, but they still had hope. It was before E3. It was before Extreme finally died. It was before Tom Kalinske finally left and Bernie Stoller walked in and said, hey. And there's also, I I think, a couple mentions of of Final Fantasy and Crash Bandicoot, as in, like, these are things we need to be worried about. Like, how can we put knights up against Crash? What? How do we... Although they had no faith in knights either. They're like, "This this is a game for kids. We need to be cool. We need to be Sega. Yeah. And and I mean Sega never knew how to or Sega of America definitely never knew how to advertise nights. No. It is interesting to sift through the remaining surviving texts of our Sega ancestors. And boy, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the story in Sonic Frontiers. That's a good segue. Smoothies. Uh, I believe that you had uh, I don't know if you have necessarily like a, a presentation, but I know that you wanted to talk uh, in depth about the pre-Sonic history, and I think maybe in particular the ancients in Sonic Frontiers and in that aspect of Sonic lore. Oh, oh, it wasn't just the ancients; it's all the ancients. 
Right. I have been so interested in uh, Sonic's uh, ancient history, like uh, the Babylonians, the fourth great civilization. Like all of it is just kind of shrouded in mystery, but there are a few dates they give us. And with those dates, you can sort of put it in order. So I don't want this to look like I'm trying to make Sonic more grounded by saying, look at all the ancient stuff. Like, I think it just sort of adds to the flavor. Um, I think it's just really interesting that that there's like tens of thousands of years of history for a funny little blue guy. And I wanted to go through it. I messaged Grant and I said, uh-huh. <laughs> I held him at gunpoint. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Uh, it was uh, there was a gun and uh, and and uh, that's sort of how we got here. Uh, I mean, no, I'm I'm interested. I mean, I, I could be I could poke holes in things or I could be like just sort of, you know, I'm interested. Well, I think you should. I think the more holes you poke, the more fun this will be. OK, uh, my first question to you is, OK, we're, we're going to say that you're a expert on ancient Sonic history. Do you know any real history like of the planet Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I know a few things. OK, yeah. uh, does that answer your question? Do you want me to tell you all the things I know about planet Earth? Yeah, I think what we need first is like the ancient history of Earth. And, uh, okay. you know, mm-hmm. basically what I need to know before I see the new Mission Impossible movie is, is Scientology real? Okay. Um, no. Because, okay, so I bring, I bring that up actually because it's like... The religion is real. Maybe I was the only one that thought that the ancient stuff in Sonic Frontiers sounded quite a bit like what I understand to be Scientology from like the South Park episode on it. What? They mirror Scientology in a way? Yeah, because isn't it like, uh, you know, it's they're exploding planet <laughs> and then they like live in things. They're like <laughs> in the cocoa. The ancients like are in the cocoa. And I think that's mm-hmm. similar to the Scientology thing of like, you're, you've got spirits from a dead planet of Krypton and then you've got to like thetan them out like three different levels. Like, I don't know. I, you, you know, here, here's the thing. This show is sponsored by Scientology. I've got literature in my trunk. Well, let's go out and uh, no, not really. Uh, but I'm just saying like it, it's, uh, you know, uh, the Babylonians, the ancients. Why should we care about ancient Sonic history other than it's like cool extra copy and extra lore? Is Sonic Frontiers a Scientology story in the same way that Battlefield Earth is? I was going to suggest that Frontiers is more of a rewriting history, rewriting Earth history. And that um, the fact that, you know, when Sonic is on that island and he gets the map beamed into beamed into his head, the, the words are being beamed in too. So the names of those islands were from outer space. And so it's like, oh, we've got gods like uh, Oranos or Uranus, who is like the son and husband of Gaia, the son and husband of Gaia. Don't worry about it. Uh, he's, uh, he's supposed to be the personification of the sky. Rhea is the daughter of Gaia. Uh, these are all Greek mythology things. Ares, son of Zeus, Kronos, um, mm-hmm. not to be mixed up with Cronus. Uh, these Greek gods, are you saying that yeah, they're aliens? Are you trying to rewrite history? Because like the Babylonians sort of do that too with like the magic carpet. It's like, oh, okay, so that's not something that belongs to Persia or the Middle East at all. It just belongs to space. That feels a little rude, Sega, <laughs> to say <laughs> something well, like that. Right. Hey, well, you know, there there aren't any real countries in sonic it's all uh um, that's true they're they're adjacent you know like they're, they're adjacent no, yeah it's not new york city it's it's empire city and and also i guess it's it's a cool place to be everyone loves empire city 
but it is also Earth, right? Like they they've they went out of their way yeah. to be like it's Earth. It's not it Mobius. It is Earth. It just is. You know, it's uh, a different Earth. Um, yeah, no, it's always been Earth. It's just a different version. I remember um, for the longest time thinking, oh, it's Mobius, but then that cutscene essay two Eggman says on the big intercom, "People of Earth," and I was like, wow. They changed it. And then, you know, the internet came out around that time and we learned that it was always Earth in Japan. And that was a fun time for all. Right. We were given false ancient Sonic history. Uh, well, I guess uh, false to the game, mm-hmm. real to itself. Uh, and, the, and, uh, and, and slowly it's been filling in the gaps. Um, I, I guess not, to, not to, to, uh, to, to step on toes, but, but Grant, you like, oh, why is it? Why is it uh, interesting aside from some extra layers? But but I mean, like it is a lot of Sonic stories do deal with the past, with ancient history and in some form or another. It's it's a backbone. If Sonic is a little bit sci fi and a little bit fantasy, it's also a little bit of like ancient epic, yeah. even though it's in the present day. It's, you know, Sonic's a little bit of everything. And, and that that is part of what makes Sonic unique and appealing. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting also because I've been playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and I've been meaning for several episodes to admonish you, David, for not playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom because you'd love it, but it does a similar thing. And it made me realize that Zelda and Sonic have this in common. They're always sort of about ancient civilizations that are actually technologically more advanced than, so you're in like the ruins of something that was once amazing and beautiful and, and so far advanced. And then now you've got like a more end of 20th century, early 21st century sort of like the Robotnik space things, uh, you know, it's very Star Wars, right? The Death Egg is, so it's kind of got this aesthetic to it versus say like the Ancients technology or the Sky Sanctuary technology, that those would feel at home in a Zelda game. And the Zelda Tears of the Kingdom yeah. Ancient, uh, the, the Zonai, I think would feel at home in a Sonic story as well. Yeah. Uh, the thing with um, Sonic, though, is that when it when it introduces new things in the past, they do it in a way where it's just so subtle that they could say literally anything and that you could still piece it together. It still works. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But with Zelda, <laughs> sometimes they do literally rewrite things like Wind Waker says, oh, the Zora evolved from the Rito. But then Tears of the Kingdom says, no, the Rito are always here. It's like, oh, you you changed that, you rewrote that. But with Sonic, can get away with it more just because it's like, eh, we'll hint at a few things. It's always something new to discover. We never, they never really retread other stuff. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the, like Sonic Frontiers did a lot to make connections. It connected the Ancients to the Echidnas. I mean, it made chaos, yeah. you know, an ancient in his own way or like that you know the designs echo each other i know we, we can start at the very beginning what do you know about the big bang and was it <laughs> sonic running really fast into a wall <laughs> i'm sorry that was bad. yeah no that's a good question where does where does the timeline begin for sonic like, what is the earliest thing right so i'm glad i wrote this down i wrote uh the sonic universe is littered with magic myth and uses a lot of pseudoscience so we don't know if sonic's universe was formed by gods a big bang and ultimately it doesn't really matter but what we do know is is that earth and other planets are formed we have earth little planet planet wisp the ancients homeworld whatever the hell the lost hex is (laughs) um and technically i mean Mobius? And I don't mean to say like non-game canon Mobius, but like Sonic Spinball Mobius? 
Sega has sort of hinted that Spinball is more canon than we previously thought. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to acknowledge it more, and it's kind of strange because they fly there on a plane. How did they do that? Uh, there's air in space. Oh, that's, right. That's why Sonic's able to breathe out there. That's right. <laughs> um, there was that leak once upon a time a long time ago when they were like, oh, this is the current Sonic Bible. It's two worlds. There's a human world. There's an animal world. And mm-hmm. apparently, like, that was confirmed, but in the original leak, somebody also, it was also said that Mobius was, like, the Mars analog. Like, oh, there is a Mobius in Sonic's universe, but it's Mars. <laughs> and I, I think it was a way to, like, kind of stomp out the idea that Mobius was where Sonic was from and that Mobius had anything interesting on it. But since uh, a lot of that has been retconned back to, I guess, a previous version where everything's on one planet... And now they're saying Spinball could be canon. The only, like, the Japanese manual does call it, like, you know, Mobius, its own star, it's this and that. It, it is, um, may, maybe Mobius is living and thriving in another planet, or they're just like, Mount Mobius is somewhere on Earth. Princess Sally isn't really here. Please don't think about it. <laughs> well, it would explain why there's 12 emeralds, because, like, Earth has a master emerald. The ancients planet had chaos emeralds. And, you know, it's it makes you wonder, what, did Planet Wisp have anything? Did Eggman just <laughs> not look when he brought Planet Wisp over? Not very perceptive. No. A... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is also around the time where the end comes into existence and starts destroying planets. Um, just traveling around and doing that. Uh, but what's strange is that, you know, the Earth is, it has light Gaia and dark Gaia in it, and they're breaking the planet apart every million years do other planets do this do they all have spirits they in might them? have spirits to get along with each other it's like we've never broken our planet you two need to get along it, it is interesting because it's still sort of like vague even because even though in unleashed you you actually meet gaia it's chip spoilers if you haven't played unleashed <laughs> and like you get to have a conversation with him he has a personality he has likes and dislikes really enjoys chocolate doesn't like Eggman. It's like, oh, this, this is living history, but you still kind of have the story of how Earth was created and everything is still kind of shrouded in mystery. It's still yeah. presented as myth, even though the myth is alive and right there in your face. Yeah, it's no, it's not a myth anymore. <laughs> no, right. Not that part, at least. But yeah, because there's an egg memo that says that the ancients predate any other civilization, that gives us a hint that, you know, like, since we say the ancients came tens of thousands of years ago. And the most recent time of awakening for Light Gaia and Dark Gaia was also tens of thousands of years ago. You say, well, which one was first? Well, the most recent time of awakening has the um, was recorded in the Gaia manuscript. And if that's a civilization that we know of who wrote that, and Eggman saying this, uh, the ancients predate everyone, we can assume that the ancients landed on Earth before the most recent time of awakening, I would say. Yeah, their uh, planets destroyed by the end. They bring the Chaos Emeralds to Earth, and for a long time, that bothered me because in Unleashed, you can see that the Chaos Emeralds heal the Earth, and the Earth, the Earth in turn heals the Chaos Emerald. And I always felt like they had a relationship. You know, they be- they were always on Earth, but apparently that's not the case. So that relationship kind of gets thrown out. But maybe they just have a relationship with planets in general. Maybe the Ancients could have built their own planet back with the Emeralds. Oh man, but they didn't know. That's right. They could have they could have reformed it, uh, just gone into orbit a little bit, uh, waited for the end to mosey on over, and uh, put it back together and put put their own Gaia 
deep inside. They're uh, living on Earth. They build homes, areas for prayer. So I guess they're religious and a shrine similar to the one that we find on Angel Island, uh, which was, is it just a few feet outside of the Knuckles Clan's area? Like in the past, like you can walk out of the Knuckles Clan's area as Amy and then you're just right there at the shrine. Yeah, there's like a tunnel. There's <laughs> just a tunnel and it's just right there. The the Knuckles clan, when they were younger and uh, maybe didn't even have a city, like perhaps they found the shrine, immediately took it to be something of religious significance, started to build their culture around it. Mm. You know, had a had a uh, started building a city nearby so that they could visit this this holy place. Uh, we 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 know in frontiers they go hey this architecture looks similar like the this shrine they have with a broken purple gem in the middle it's very similar to the to the master emerald shrine so if the ancients built a shrine and then walked away from it well sort of walked away from it i guess there are chow around there and if chow were ancients that have like devolved into chow the little itty bitty babies it's like oh okay like they built the structure there's there's nothing about the 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 echidna structures that we've seen that seem to also echo the ancient uh not really no no like the 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 city uh, you know since it was inspired by south american architecture uh well, my, uh, my, my, uh mesoamerican is what you mesoamerican yeah, yeah. I, I was like uh, it's one of those i don't know which <laughs> it's somewhere in south america but i couldn't think of central terms. america it's central well, I thought it was a little deeper. Isn't Mex or maybe it is part of Mexico is a part of Central America, uh, right? But do, wait, did they? Was it in Mexico they visited? I thought it was a little bit further down. Um, it doesn't fuck. matter. <laughs> they went to Machu Picchu. Where is Machu Picchu? <laughs> Isn't that Guatemala? I'm forgetting. It's Peru. Uh, I'm I'm being told. I'm getting uh, information directly beamed into my head like Sonic. <laughs> so. Well, right, and then there's also the architecture of like Sky Sanctuary, which looks one way in three and K, and looks a little bit different, say, in Generations. But it is like all of this architecture definitely is different than what we're being presented by the ancients. So if the Echidnas built their society around a thing they found, I mean, it makes sense why their city is just a tunnel away, yeah, from the shrine. Uh, like the way you think, David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where did we leave off? Oh, right. So they're living on Earth, but they're struggling. And it's interesting that they're struggling because the Chow also struggle to live on Earth. And we know that they eventually turn into the Chow. And that um, uh, it's explained in the Sonic Adventure navigation guide, and the Japanese uh, player guide for Sonic Adventure, that the Chow used to live at the shrine of the Master Emerald because the Chaos Emeralds created a perfect environment for them. And when the Emeralds left, they you know, had to find perfectly balanced areas for them to live in. Otherwise they would just die. I think that's a really cool continuation that they uh, wrote for frontiers. Uh, you know, Oh, the Chow can't really live on earth and neither could the ancients. And maybe, maybe they turn into the Chow. It's weird that they turn into the Chow though, because an egg memo says that they died off in a generation. So it's like, Oh, you, you evolved in one generation. That's pretty interesting. The Chow are pretty adaptable. You know, it's like a Pokemon thing, uh, the, you know, the chower. But if they meet an animal who's a baby, they will take on that animal's characteristics. Oh, but but they're not. They have to have perfectly in, uh, balanced environments to live. I, oh, man. Does that mean like an ancient 
like let's say they landed and there was someone there who greeted them and maybe they were the ones that this is Aries Island and they went oh great went to shake his hand just absorbed it's kind of humanity it's like oh god what's happened here they're they're a wacky thing it because because frontiers answers some questions that maybe I didn't necessarily want answered like where's the, where's the emerald from but it also poses just as many questions yeah because we just we still don't know where they come from or if, or if they were made we don't know it you know what what is like a good answer for that I, I remember we've sort of talked about this before in some in in text chats and stuff of like well what is like a good origin for a, a super MacGuffin like this it's like maybe it just doesn't need one you know for it to be like a supercomputer or powered by the gods similar to the triforce it's like it's like it just you know it's a god-given super thing don't uh and I wonder with the Sonic lore too, if it's like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe better as legends and things that don't entirely add up. That said, I like what Frontiers is doing in terms of tying the strings together through the ancients. But I also like, then you get to things like, yeah, that you, like you're asking about with the Chow of like, are they, it just changes how you view the Chow in a way that seems not as fun. <laughs> like it's, it, I'm starting to think of them as like, oh, they're all um, refugees from a dying planet, and they they evolved or devolved into this. And it's a very tragic. They're not cute things that I'm. They're not, you know, they're not the Tamagotchi anymore. They're a tragic, horrible mutation. Um, it's very sad now. The Chow. <laughs> it could be, yeah. I think I've said it before, but it does remind me of of the um, uh, what are they called? H.G. Uh, Wells, the Time Machine. And he goes into the distant future and he finds basically the remains of humanity. And they're all just like very short, chubby, innocent beings who are running around. They're shorter than him. It, like it, it is described in such a way. It doesn't matter what they're actually called. There's that certain evoking of like, hey, Aloy. And then there's the, the Morlocks that are like, ooh, they're big and rude. I guess it's supposed to be like two different it's an analogy about class in society like that's what it is but it does present like oh hey here's these if we consider ourselves advanced beings at some point part of us just evolved into chow it's been done in fiction before uh, a bit more hey proletariat and bourgeois we should think about this uh way but there there are there's roots there and it it could be something that you explore it more in, in different ways, but also I don't know if you really want to explore it any deeper. It, it is something that wasn't in the original plan. And then Ian Flynn went, Hey, let's make connections. Let's, yeah. let's have these aliens mean something to us. I, I don't know if he has any further plans or if Sega does. Uh, it could be interesting to see what they do at the same time. If they, if they let it go, uh, that's fine too. Uh, you know, but I wouldn't mind some exploration of, of other civilizations maybe making more connective tissue because uh, i know that there's plenty more that have been mentioned it's true i and i kind of feel like i would love to see that in the comics i guess i'd like to see it in like extended universe type lore because it fe it feels almost like it's like a thing that i want from fans more than i want from the games but i don't even know if that's true because i do like this stuff too like i i like the lore i like the uh the ways in which it does connect and the ways in which it sort of teases connections. Um, hey, you know what? I think, David, I've told you this before. Smoothies, I'm sure I haven't. Can I pitch you my Big Bang creation event theory for the Sonic universe? Sonic 
essentially has <laughs> it's a it's a uh, what do you call it? It's an infinite. It's mo. It's a Mobius loop. Yeah. So Sonic has created like that's why there's loops and there's rings because Sonic has as a ball. He's so many times screwed with time and space with the gems and his supersonic that he is shot backwards through time to create a world that is best suited for Sonic running, which is why highways have <laughs> loops and why the world is full of loop-de-loops is because Sonic, the world was essentially created for Sonic by Sonic, <laughs> which uh, is true also. Um, that <laughs> like The reason the Green Hill Zone exists is because Sonic needs to roll into a ball and go through loops and, and stuff. Uh, you could just as easily say that the world wasn't created for Sonic, but Sonic just fits it the best. Yeah. All right, everyone else is uh, at the verge of dying. That's why the Ancients turned into Chow. I guess I should mention very briefly that in Archie, the Super Emeralds were Chow that had transformed into Emeralds. Is that true? That's not canon, David. That's not game canon. We're sticking to game canon only, David. No, it's not game canon, but I figured I... <laughs> uh, they were like, oh, there were... All right, seven... Uh, Super Emeralds. They were seven. They were originally Chow, known as the Seven Server Chow. After their deity chaos went rampant, the Seven Servers absorbed Chaos's energies and transformed into the Super Emeralds, while trapping both Chaos and Tikal in the Black Emerald. That's right. Uh, Chaos and Tikal are in a Black Emerald because the Master Emerald didn't exist until it was formed in issue fifty-six, where they trapped <laughs> Mammoth Mogul into. It was like, oh, here's fourteen Chaos Emeralds. They merged together into one giant master emerald that they don't call a master emerald but it ends up breaking when they adapt sonic adventure for some reason even though chaos into color in a different emerald which is black they they took that line about the seven servers and they were like oh the servers are the chow no that's not that's not uh that's not what that meant uh-huh uh yeah you know what ken penders never wrote about uh he never wrote about the 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 babylonians now that we're sort of talking about archie what do you guys think about the um because ova kind of implies this too and then i think it's carl ballers in the archie comics who makes it literal that uh mobius is a it's like a planet of the apes situation so there was like giant nuclear uh, apocalyptic event and then evolution happens with a twist and now you've got animals who are humans yeah, the world of OVA was really cool. Um, them going into the underworld, I think they called it, and seeing all those cities that were just destroyed. Which, uh, yeah, I wish they had kind of stayed with that. It was really cool. I mean, it's Empire City. It's run down. They fixed it. <laughs> yeah, at some point, they. do you think they invented cyberspace on Earth? Because it feels like they did. It's like, oh, we have nothing left of our home planet. We need to start putting our memories into this thing because otherwise there's just nothing left of it. Because there's a cutscene where there's this elder um, um, ancient saying, although our home world was lost, our history was not. Thanks to cyberspace, all our hopes, our dreams, our memories can be uploaded to cyberspace and accessed at any time. He's introducing it to kids, but it's like, well, the kids would have known even if they haven't seen it, if it had already existed, like they would have heard talk about it. So this must have been like when it was like being introduced. Makes sense. Right. It's interesting that they talk a lot about how cyberspace was so the ancients could upload their memories and their experiences which i guess is a way to explain why we're seeing old levels from so but like we never see any of the ancients like we don't see their version of cyberspace we just see the sonic version sonic doesn't eggman's able to access a lot of stuff remember he's writing it all down in his memos uh, right sonic's just for some reason not accessing accessing it i don't know why 
He's like, whoa, that place looks crazy. I'm not going there. I'm just going to go to the Green Hill. So you're saying between the scenes where Eggman and um, Sage are positioned in the exact same way on the highway. (laughs) Yeah. Between those scenes, like off screen, he's going and exploring the infinite vast cyberspace to learn all of this stuff and then recording it in the egg memos. It's like the... Yeah, you got to remember that this game, um, the the Sega was like, hey, so the whole three island thing, make it five. Uh, and also uh, add all these other things and uh, make it out by this date. And so, you know, they were a little crunched, so we couldn't see all that stuff. That's my explanation for it. Don't take that as the truth. <laughs> but it makes sense, right? Like It does make sense. I mean, that that's, yeah. No, you never see it. It would have been nice, huh? Okay, because we've, we've got five islands. So there's the main three. Then Sonic kind of gets frozen. Wouldn't It, it might have been fun if, like... Sonic frees his friends, but he gets stuck in cyberspace and he explores a fourth island, which is a digital representation of the ancient homeworld. That would have been awesome. That would have been a great justification for an additional island. That's, yes. Right. Maybe that's what the DLC new thing would, probably it won't. I'm hoping the DLC gives us some more background, yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to I wanna see, maybe we can see them build cyberspace. Uh, we could see uh, why the Coco are able to uh move they're just because they're they're described as stone relics right or like lucky charms lucky charms right so they were carved like here's my lucky charm i shove it in my body as one tends to do and then when they died the coco just continued to exist so like somehow they're able to access cyberspace i guess it's yes they like became keys of some sort well in that in that cutscene I was talking about where he's introducing the kids to cyberspace, before the cyberspace machine turns on, the Coco in the Elder's chest lights up and then the cyberspace thing opens up. And it's like, oh, did he upload his memories through the Coco? Like, does the, is the Coco connected to cyberspace? Because then you also have the hermit Coco. Whenever you wake him up, he was like, oh, I was dreaming. And when I dream, I connect to cyberspace. And it's like, I oh, are the Coco connected that way? Because at first you're like, oh, I guess the soul of the person got trapped in the cocoa when they died. And when you help the cocoa out, then the soul's like, oh, my unfinished business is done. I get to die now. Bye. But <laughs> yeah, there's also this implication. It's like, oh, well, they also uploaded their memories, their hopes, their dreams, their wills, their very, Atel says their very essences to cyberspace. So it's like, oh, did, did they sort of copy their souls? And then those kind of attached to the cocoa in a way it's, it's vague, but it's, really cool and i guess it's the most uh, advanced ancient civilization that we know about um not the only spacefaring ancient civilization right we we have the the babylonians babel yeah ba- i almost said like baloney uh <laughs> babylonians they've got space they get to fly around and then they eventually make magic carpets and then we also have the vague we, we call it the fourth great civilization because there isn't another good term for it that's all they've called it. I mean, at one point in Chronicles, they tried to tack it onto um, what were they called, the Nocturnus Clan? But Sega has since said, no, that game's not canon. Right. So we don't have to worry about it. Oh, sorry, it's Nakluda. Here it is, Nakluda Clan. I mean, it is sort of weird. I mean, because Chronicles also sort of fudges things because they make whoever created the Gizoids uh, coexist with the Knuckles Clan at the same time, when in fact they're separated by a millennia yeah um they were put into the twilight cage through the argus event four thousand years ago which is supposed to take place after perfect chaos which happened three thousand years ago and it's like well that doesn't add up does it no no it doesn't sonic team made some numbers 
and and then Bioware ignored them for their own purposes yeah. and and created Shade, who is Julie Sue, but not but is no, they're legally distinct, but except they're not legally distinct. Uh purchase Solaris Sue Chronicles. This podcast is being sponsored right now by Ken Penders, I believe. God, I hope so. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we are. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a weird Patreon situa- situation. He's our only patron. Um, we're not allowed to have other patrons. We would love other patrons to free us, but it's a bit like mm-hmm. a, uh, we're not allowed to say a lot of things. There's a lot of things that we've seen that should be said, but we can We are copyrighted by we Ken are. Penders against our will, so it's it's hard for us to it's Lara Sue's world and we are the cyberspace of the echidna oh man what would Lara Sue's uh, coco look like that's the right question david you're asking all the right questions <laughs> you know i'm interested also in the future oh man lore which is you know the silver and blaze timelines parallel universe like there's there's a lot of different ways that the sonic storytelling continues the trope of the alien, you know, some sort of advanced civilization that's like parallel to the current events of the story. Well, David, I spent an hour talking about uh, how there are two different silvers and something that is unreleased. There's two different silvers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the way that there's two different Marty McFlies when he comes back? Uh, sort of. <laughs> like, uh, so the first silver we we see is in Sonic 06. He's from the future, from when it's all destroyed. And then they blow out the flame of hope. And now everything is, we think it's quote unquote reset, but I would argue it's a separate timeline. Uh, because then when we get to, uh, when we see silver again, we meet him for the first time in Rivals. And then, um, uh, Blaze meets silver in what is it sonic uh, colors ds and uh silver's like yeah i'm from the future and everything's great there's there's no flames of disaster everything's great (laughs) right (laughs) we don't live in a a never-ending torment and so uh yeah there are two different silvers because also when we go to sonic 20th anniversary game generations uh, we somehow travel to the future to see Silver and fight him, but even though that timeline's supposed to be separate from where we are now, we can still travel there. So if, to me, that implies there's a split that can still be traveled to. All right. Mm. It can even get more confusing uh, because if if we throw in IDW, which is in this vague, is it or is it not canon? I guess Sega recently, uh, right, the, the assistant manager of lore recently said on a stream, oh yeah, of course it's canon. Uh, although I still have questions like the silver in that comic who is presumably uh, like we 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 have a silver in, in the sonic forces tie-in where he comes back in time and he's like oh knuckles i'm glad you're here and knuckles recognizes silver so because they must have met at this point like they seem to know each other but then later in idw the silver who chooses to stay in the past i like growing or i want to i want to grow things i want to tend to this garden because everything's so green and in my time things aren't this green and it's like, oh, wait, so if that Silver, who I guess is from the Forces future, where Eggman was in control of everything, not not to mention, like, oh, whatever weird stuff happened with the Metal Virus arc. It's like, well, if his future was bad, but his future in Colors DS was good, does that mean there's more than two? Like, we're getting variations of Silver, or... Is there a silver who is somehow aware of his future changing that's separate from the 06 silver? That gets 
a little confusing if if you if you really want to dive dive deep. Most recent time of awakening, uh, this planet splits up. Uh, <laughs> there's the uh, the guy who manuscripts are written, but they also someone has a prediction prediction uh, that dark and light Gaia would awaken, but too early, and there would be an incomplete light Gaia who needs the help of seven gems. There's like a mural in one of the Gaia temples with Chip and the seven emeralds. It's weird because the emeralds aren't from Earth, so someone must have had a prediction like, oh, this is going to happen. And so they built Gaia temples all across the Earth so that Light Gaia would have a body to fight back Dark Gaia. Um, then we have the Babylonians. Oh my god, there's so much to say about the Babylonians. I've got four pages. We should probably just cut it, right? Babylonians, black arms, okay. Right, there's a lot. We We didn't really... Yeah, we don't have enough time for it. Well, smoothies, how about thank you? Thanks for uh, the history lesson uh, and conversation and, you know, open chat. I don't know what you, you know. Uh, do you feel like there's any sort of uh, last points or is there any place that maybe people should follow you uh, online that we can link to in the description? If you uh, look on YouTube, you can search Smoothies TV. That is my new YouTube channel. Um, there you will find some Last of Us content where I com compare the game to the real world. Went there, shot it, uh, did some side-by-sides. Uh, and I plan to, you know, uh, what we talked about today, turn it into a full, proper episode. But uh, yeah, check out some stuff there. Smoovies, S-M-O-O-V-I-E-S uh, TV on YouTube. And uh, and there's always, you know, the nonsense that, that you and I do on FTCR sometimes. Sometimes when I'm, uh, you know, sitting in that car strolling down you know the the not so busy highway because you know it's 10 p.m some people are home some people are out at the club but you you're just driving side by side with your your lovely partner of choice <laughs> whoever they are you know maybe they change maybe it's the same one but either way that's because you were listening to sonic weekly oh yeah that's right sonic the hedgehog weekly is not the title of this show. It is just Sonic Weekly. So you would just look that up. Although I'm sure Sonic the Hedgehog Weekly might also bring it up on your podcaster catcher, your your pod player of choice. Let's go with that. Pod player, yeah. Uh, be sure to, to subscribe. Leave us a review. Write a review. Do we have reviews? I don't know. If there are, we should read them. We should read them if they exist. Yeah, I would love. We'd love to read your reviews, but uh, I don't think so. I think I think there's no reviews that I can see. Right. You should email us at sonicweeklypodcast@gmail.com. In the title, say I wrote a review, and show us the review. We'll read it. Let Let's fire up that email account. Let's make it sizzle like a hot summer night, sitting in Empire City, which is not New York City, which of course is built on the ruins of a thousand lost civilizations. Yeah. Long-time dedicated listeners will remember that this show has not been above giving out prizes to people who send in reviews or write emails. We have done that. And also use the email if you want to join our Discord server. It's always hippin' and hoppin' like the rabbit from Hop. Which is different to say that we're paying for your review. I'm not saying, oh, write a good review, and then wink, wink, here's a little reward. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we're very generous. We give you all of this content, and all we ask in return is just a little, tiny, little five-star review. Right. I'll pay oh. you for your comment or your review. You go. Oh, how, how, how much? Will you pay in uh, SpaghettiOs? 
you get you get one smooth coin. How much is a smooth coin worth? It's worth it's worth a lot. It's worth a smooth coin. So it's that's a lot. You know, so you get a hundred smooth coin, then you get a hundred smooth. Coin. 